Well, good morning again. We're going to be opening our Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3, continuing in our study of the book of Colossians. Uh, we'll dismiss the kids to Children's Church at this time. And as we get started this morning, I just want to um, tell you a story, an illustration that has been very helpful to me as I uh, invest, thought about what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? This story took place on July 15th of 1859. There's a man named Charles Blondin, and he walked a tightrope without a net backwards over Niagara Falls from the U.S. to Canada. He returned with a wheelbarrow. Now it's told that as he was ready to walk that tightrope back to the U.S. with that wheelbarrow that he asked, now I'm a Canadian, so um, he asked the Canadians, who believes I could take a man in this wheelbarrow across this rope? Everybody cheered. Anyone volunteer? Yeah. No one would volunteer. But that is what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. It's not just a knowledge of Him, and yes, I can assent that Jesus was God. He came. He was born. He died. But it's being willing to get into the wheelbarrow, as it were. That, is, that story caused me to examine my heart when I heard it, to think about what it meant to trust Jesus as Lord and Sovereign, the King of my life. I've used it to ask others. One co-worker that I constantly was witnessing to sharing the Gospel, I asked him that question, are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? He honestly answered, no, I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not willing to get into the wheelbarrow what that means, what that... He understood it, what it meant. It meant to die to himself. It meant that Christ would make him a new man, and he wasn't willing to, for that to happen yet. Oh, praise the Lord. Later, sometime later, he came up to me and said, Dan, what would you say if I told you that I had received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? I said, well... I'm going to keep telling you what I've been telling you. I'm glad to hear it. And he was my brother at that point. But two weeks later, after this event of the wheelbarrow, Charles Blondin appeared on the Canadian side with Harry Colcord, his manager, clinging to his back. Blondin gave his manager the following instructions. Look up, Harry. You are no longer Colcord. You are Blondin. Until I clear this place, be a part of me. Mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. 
Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. I thought, what an amazing illustration for our lesson this morning in Colossians 3. As we are told, we are, give, we are made a new man and our life is hidden in Christ. Our life is hidden in Christ. Let's look at the text. Let's start with verse 1 again as John has been going through this. This is so practical. This is so real to us. It meets us where we live. Our struggles and gives us the key to living this life hidden in Christ. So let's start with verse 1 and we're, our text this morning is going to be verse 12 through 17. If then... You have been raised with Christ. That's very important. If then. That's why I started with this story. For you to examine your hearts this morning. And I invite you now. Today is the day of salvation. Entrust your life to Christ. Get in the wheelbarrow. These instructions are for those whose life, who have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger with malice. Uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word 
or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. May the Lord teach us this morning from His Word. I tell you, folks, as I prepared this message, it was exciting, but it was also very, it was teaching me. I need this. I need this text, what it teaches us this morning. I need it in my life. So the first line in your notes is the call. The call. What is the call? Put on. Put on. Isn't that wonderful? That God, in His Word, His, His wisdom, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, He gave Paul what he was to put to death, what he was to put off, but then also what he was to put on. Isn't that gracious of our God? To help us to fo- help us to have a focus on what we are to do, what we, how we are to move ahead, how this life is to be lived in Christ. We have this wonderful, blessed focus of what is good and right and pure. We tend to become what we focus on. And God gives us this wonderful instruction. This, these are key passages in Scripture for our Christian living. We become what we love. We become what we love. And as we will see, we are called to ministry. So He calls us to put on as God's chosen ones. Isn't that awesome? Now I... I flipped on a, a video the other day and in this video the narrator was saying God chose you because you are intrinsically valuable. You have you are just so wonderful and God has um, has this love that's why God has this love for you. You know Sadly to say, I I disagree with that. The Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, the Bible says, I was God's enemy, and yet He chose me. Isn't that even more glorious? There was nothing good in me, and yet God chose me. God chose you. When we were yet His enemies. When we were unwholesome, impure, rebellious, lawless, guilty, and worthy of His judging wrath. Yet, God chose you. In spite Isn't that even say more about what a great love He has for you? It's not based on you. It's not based on your performance. He chose you in spite of you. 
He loved you in spite of your sins. We are called not just to be a recipient, but an instrument. We are called to be used by Him in the work of His kingdom where He has sovereignly placed us. As we mentioned at the beginning of this chapter, we are called to be ambassadors, to be representatives. That's what it means for our lives. We no longer live for for the things we used to live for. We've discovered those things bring destruction. They're empty. They're worthless. They bring death. But God has called us to new life. New life in Him. And He has called us to be representing Him. I raised the question some weeks back about why did God leave us here? Why didn't He just make us like Him? Translate us to heaven? We have to go through so much suffering here, don't we? And there's it's so much work. I've described it as a battle. He's called us to warfare, hasn't He? He's called us to war. Well, some of those answers are found here this morning. He has called us to be representatives of Him. Representatives. You are a representative of King Lord Jesus. You are His ambassador. He saved you. He gave you new life. You are His ambassador. But He doesn't stop there. Look at this. This is the fill in the blank part. You are holy and beloved. And we've talked about holiness before. You know, when my wife is cutting up, last night she was cutting up some onion. And that's what it means to be holy. Did you know that? The root word is, means cut. So she was cutting the onions, and at the same time with her knife, she's, she's separating them. So she's cutting the onions, means her, and separating. That is what holiness means. Set apart. Cut and set apart. So God has cut you from the world, and He's set you apart. He's made you holy. He calls you saints. Now we know that holiness doesn't come from within us, does it? It's the holiness of Jesus Christ is now ours. His righteousness is its like He has a bank account. Unlimited righteousness. We have to draw on it. We get to draw on His righteousness. Endless account is ours. So that's who we are. This is our identity. That's what He's calling us. As God's chosen ones, holy. And then He says this amazing thing. Beloved, you are loved by a holy God. You are loved. This is truth. It doesn't matter how you feel. This is fact. 
You can draw on this when you're low, when you're high, when things are going smoothly, when things are going rough. You are God's beloved. He's not talking here about Paul's beloved in the church at Colossae. No, he's talking about God's beloved. You are God's beloved. So this is the call to God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. But in that call, we need to recognize a couple things. I want to share with you um, this verse in uh, 1 Peter 2. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the ambassador part. We are called, we are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people called for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. You're just passing through. You're just passing through. And exiles, you've been cast off. But you're called to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I, I'm, the last verse was, there was from chapter 3, verse 15. First Peter. God has called us to be ambassadors, to be representatives of Him. And we need to face something in understanding this. And we have to acknowledge that we are either living we are living or responding in every relationship as an owner of that relationship or an ambassador. Say it again. You are living or responding in every relationship either as an owner or as an ambassador. And what does that mean? Well, you know, we all have relationships, right? What makes you happy? Or what gives you joy in a relationship? Well, naturally, what makes me happy is when everybody does what I want to them to do. I'm the king. 
I'm the king. But that's not the truth, is it? Jesus is king. So, either I am king or I'm living as an ambassador of the true king, Jesus. In every relationship. So, think. What has ticked you off recently? And why did it tick you off? Did it tick you off because your rights were violated? Because someone took advantage of you? Why? What made you happy? Because my, I was sitting on the couch and my wife brought out this tray and set it in front of me and I didn't have to lift a finger. I had food. I'm, that's pretty cool. Pretty amazing. Or am I happy because I see my, my wife being a servant? Am I happy because what I get or because I see I, in Christ's likeness? You, you see, are you getting it? Often, this is, a, this is a battle, and this is a key thing to, to, to grasp. Often, we're the king, right? We, we, we get upset because something crossed me. I didn't get what I wanted, what I deserve. Or I did get what I wanted and what I, what I feel like I deserve. And isn't this wonderful? But we're called to be ambassadors. We're called to be representatives, to be living in every relationship as Jesus is King. So the things that bother us should be the things that violate Him. The things that please us should be the things that Please Him. What is good, what is right, what is pure, what is just. His agenda. What is God's agenda? Do you know it? Look at verse 10 in chapter 3. It tells us His agenda. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Sounds real similar to Romans 8.29, doesn't it? And Romans 8.28, we all know, and we, we grasp onto that, don't we? All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. What is the good? Verse 29 tells us God's good. God's agenda for us to be conformed into His image. That is His agenda. That is His good. That is His agenda for us. We must acknowledge that as we live our lives in relationships. There's so much grief, hurt, and anger. And the reason those things exist is because 
We are not on God's agenda. We don't esteem what He esteems. We amplify my needs, my wants, my feelings. We will do whatever it takes to become... He, God will do whatever it takes. This is His agenda. He will do whatever it takes to become the love of your life and transform you into His likeness. You are His possession. Did you, know, under, did you know that's what the word redemption means? It means to buy, to purchase. You are bought. You are purchased with His blood. He bought you. You are not your own anymore. You have no right. But you know what? That is the way He made us. To delight in Him. To have relationship with Him. That, is, that was God's plan from the beginning and we broke that with sin. But God's plan wasn't thwarted at all. He sent His Son so that we might have that relationship. We might know Him again. We might have fellowship and relationship with Him. That is where our joy and our fulfillment, true fulfillment comes. But we are also, here and now, living in relationship with one another. And that kind of gets messy, doesn't it? Sometimes. Kind of gets messy. But a key ingredient for you to remember, to ask yourself, Am I living right now as king? Or am I living in this relationship? Am I acting, reacting, talking, doing in light of me being an ambassador for the true King Jesus? The second point, character in your bulletin. Character. We're told, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The subject. The subject is Christ. Who of us can do all these things? Any of these things? I've been struck uh, thinking about kindness. Did you know God says Jesus shared a story when he was here about the lack of kindness being just cause before a holy God to go to hell. The lack of kindness sends people to hell. He said, Who gave 
a drink of water in my name. And those who said, we didn't know it was you, Lord, said, depart from me, you wicked. That's convicting, isn't it? Because how, how many times have I been unkind? I mean, just looking at my wife, I can give an unkind look. I can give an unkind word in the, just the tone of my voice, a snarl. Now, we are not being, going to be judged by our lack of kindness. Why? Because we've come to Christ and we have His righteousness now in our account. We've come to Him. We've believed in Him. We've gotten in the wheelbarrow. We've received forgiveness. But still we look at this list and we go, this is so unlike me, isn't it? It's so unlike me. But this is what we're to put on. I want you to notice two things about this list. One, these qualities describe Christ. Perfectly, don't they? He was perfect, compassionate. Look at when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He was kind. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. His humility and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. King Jesus, God Almighty, obeyed humbled, died so that we might have forgiveness. Meekness. Another, we don't use that word very often, so just so you know what it means, it means a, a humble gentleness. A gentleness. Doesn't it strike you when a great big bas- football player or basketball player, giant in our land can reach down and sign an autograph for a little kid and they're gentle. Doesn't that impress us? That meekness. It's not a weakness. It's a purposeful control. A gentleness. A humbleness. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He was saying, I am this way, so learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. His patience, and Jesus said on the cross, as he was being nailed to the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garment. They continued on. His patience, his long suffering is another word the Bible uses. His long suffering. 
Aren't you grateful for the long-suffering of God? I am. Because uh, otherwise I'd be a grease puddle on the floor, or worse, I'd be in hell. I deserved His punishment and His wrath. But, but for His patience, His long-suffering, and His forgiveness, oh my. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and His love. What a great love. Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword nor, nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I used to sign that verse in my yearbook. That's the verse I cling to. Nothing will separate you from God's love. You can't separate yourself from God's love. You are His possession. He has bought you. You are His.